So, Holly, uh, thank you for being my very first guest in this podcast. I'm a little bit nervous over here, uh, but this is going to be very great because I think this is the first time I'm actually going to be asking you a lot of questions trying to figure out how you came to be this current Holly because when we met, I believe I've only known the Holly that was a public keynote speaker and there was nothing else that was behind all of that. Oh, Tony, you're in for a treat, right? I love the way you started that. And by the way, can I just say it is an absolute honor, a privilege and a delight to be not only on your podcast, because this has been a dream of yours in the making, and I respect you so much for taking the time to put the thought into what you really wanted this to be. And also, so yes, I'm really happy to be the first guest. (laughs) (laughs) So I know... um... When I refer to you uh, in terms of what you do, I always call you a public speaker. Is, is that pretty accurate or is there a very specific way you would frame yourself? Well, first of all, I think that works. But to give it a little wow factor, but to also say thank you for not calling me a motivational speaker. And the reason that's important is that goes way back to the beginning of this whole journey of mine. But I've always had an issue with that because motivation is intrinsic So you can't Mm -hmm. motivate human beings, but you can inspire them to find it within themselves to want to be motivated. And that's a really important distinction for me. So I always like to think of myself as I'm blessed, Tony, to be a messenger and be an inspirational speaker around the world. So that's kind of how I say it, but at least you didn't say motivational. Yay! Yeah, that's that's funny you say that because a lot of the times when people ask me, how do I get all this motivation to do everything? My answer is I don't really run off of motivation because that comes and goes way too sporadically for that. So it's a source I don't uh, source of energy, I guess you can call it that I don't really rely on. Good. Well, then you've already got it intrinsically. You understand that there's power behind that. And for everybody listening, and I know that when you shared with me the premise of your show, I think that the stories you're sharing with people, it's all about finding. It's kind of like what I speak about, Tony, but you got to let the noise Mm -hmm. of the world. You got to shut out the noise of the world because everybody means well, but from the very early stages we come into this world, people want to should on you. And that's S-H-O-U-L-D, by the way. But they want to tell you what you should be doing. And I think that there's always with good intention, but we crush a lot of the butterflies and the intrinsic desires and passions within us as human beings when we're constantly telling others what we think they should do. So that's a that also goes in line with why you're doing why you're doing the show. People that have figured out how to follow their passions, right? And make a business out of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, no pun intended. Let's start all the way back from the beginning here. What made you want to become a public speaker? What, or was that ever the intention? No. And I love, you might be maybe one of the third interviews I've ever been on in my lifetime that has actually asked me that question. Because I can look everyone in the eye and you, Tony, and say, that I never sought out to do this. This wasn't a business I thought this is what I dreamed to do. There's been other dreams that have manifested and we can talk about those, but I always say this business found me. And that's really important because I think sometimes we get so caught up in our visions and I believe in visions and goals, but we get so caught up in in the one-way highway that we miss sight of doors that open and opportunities that open that are really meant to be a way to make it happen, but in a way that we never imagined. So that's, that's what I can tell you, my friend, right? This business found me and it's a crazy story. Yeah. So, well, would you mind going into that little story a little bit? I'm very interested in seeing how all of that kind of just un- unraveled itself into where you are currently. Oh, and you know what? I wish I had, well, You'll understand why I'm looking around right now, but hold on. And what's really neat is for, I want all your listeners to know this. We've known each other now for, I don't know, 10, 12 years, work together. And this is a story you've never known. And so this makes it even more special that it's for your show. So go back to when it was in the, um, around 1997, 98, around then. And I was living in Denver, Colorado, Tony. And at the time, 
And, and by the way, I just want everybody to know, I was that little girl, like in third grade, shy and overweight in the basement of my family's home in Pennsylvania, watching Love Boat and Fantasy Island on Friday nights. And I used to dream of being Julie. So there's the pre-story of making that dream happen much later in life in college and deciding not to be an attorney. So now we're past college. I've got two little boys and I'm living in Denver, Colorado. And I happen to be in this women's group and I don't often do those kind of things, but I was in this women's group that I'd been invited to join and attend. And this is when I say be ready because I believe when the universe and divine plans are in store, things will happen that you may not even be prepared for. So this woman I met, we're all going around and for some odd reason, something about my story or my past came up and I shared a little bit about it. Whatever happened, Afterwards, this woman walked up to me, and her name was Peggy, I'll never forget, and she said, Holly, your story's riveting. Have you ever shared it publicly? And I looked at her like aghast and said, no, that's not a story I want to share with people. And she said, but it gives people hope. And she said, would you consider sharing it with my high school students? I am a teacher in the Denver Public School District, and I teach high school, and I think my kids need to hear your story. And Tony, I looked at her and said, you want me to really tell the story and the vulgarities and what really happened? Like, that's a pretty ugly story. And she goes, but you're standing here today and you had hope and something that got you through it. And I think the kids need to hear that, right? They need to hear that about the difficult, bad times, but how you could overcome them and having dreams and goals. So, Tony, I literally was like, I don't even own a suit. So I went to a local little store. I got a suit and I said, sure, I'll come share the story. So what happened that day is I came in, she had combined a few classrooms of high school students in this room and I talked and I shared about having butterflies on your shoulders and dreams and goals and writing them down and putting them under your pillow, which is what I used to do. And I said, and don't let anybody take that away from you. And I told them about how you can get, the compass of life can take you in the wrong direction. And I got in an incredibly abusive relationship and I was left to almost die. And there was something much greater than me that wanted me to stay. And I shared the vulgar part of that story. But I'm, I said, but I never gave up on believing that I had a reason to be here. So all of that said, I talked to them about dreams and goals and about abuse and just all of that. There was a line of high school students, Tony. They had a line waiting to talk to me. And boys and girls were crying. And I had young men stand there with tears saying, today changed my life because I realized I don't have to do what I see at my home. He goes, I don't want to hurt a woman in my life the way I'm seeing what happens in my home. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh. And I'm like hugging these kids. But it, and I stood there probably for about an hour as they just wanted to talk and, and just said, Peggy calls me and she said, this was life transforming. I don't know. I knew you needed to be here. And then she said, but I got a handwritten letter, a three-page handwritten letter from a young lady, and you need to see it. She wanted to give it to you, and I told her she could not give it to you, but she could give it to me, and I would give it to you. Tony, to this day, and I wish I had it to show you, I carry it around with me in a Ziploc baggie because, you see, when I said this business chose me, I did not choose it. That young lady at the age of 15, 14 and a half, 15, wrote me a three-page letter because she said that day, wow, see, I still can't talk about it. That day, she, um, she knew after hearing me that day that there was a reason she was put on this earth and that she knew that something about her was meant to live because that afternoon, she had it all planned to take her life. She had everything planned to take her life because her father had been selling her for sex, for drugs, to all of his friends. And that letter made me realize that when we least expect it, you have no idea how God, the universe, and the divine could be using you. And so I remember holding that letter in my hand and thinking, wow, this was supposed to happen, and I don't understand why, but I carry that letter around with me, Tony, in a Ziploc baggie, still to this day, over 20 years, with many letters that have been written over the years. I love handwritten letters, but when I'm on a flight going across the world and I wonder why I'm doing what I'm doing, <laughs> and you wonder mm -hmm. if it's really worth it when you're tired, I pull it out and I look at it. 
and I read it and it reminds me of why I'm here. So um, you've never known that story because it's not a story I share a lot. So you ask yeah. and you got, that's what started. And then the principal called and said, we heard we, that we need to have you come speak at an assembly. Can you come share the same story you did with these kids? Will you come to the high school assembly? And I'm like, what? And you're like, yes. And can we invite parents to come? I was like, well, of course, but are you sure you want me to tell this story? It's pretty brutal. They're like, we need you to tell what you told to our students because it really impacted their lives. I did it, high school assembly, there was parents there and there was a line of parents and a gentleman from IBM was in line. And he handed me his card and he said, I need you to come speak to my leaders. And I go, what? He said, I need you to share your story because we're always talking about professional development, but this is real human stuff. And that, my friend, catapulted my life into a way I never imagined. So that was just the beginning of 20 plus years of doing what I do. Wow, that is an absolutely insane story. And I really appreciate you sharing that too. As, as you were just telling me, I'm like hitting hey, chills. I know. It's it's really hard to believe that the, just that one pivotal moment was just enough to snowball everything. Yeah. I, I think that's a really profound thing you just said, though. One pivotal moment can snowball everything. And I could literally say that was a miracle in a mess for me that I never imagined could be that. And I think everybody needs to realize that we get so focused and so tunnel vision on what we're obsessing over or forcing things to happen in life that we miss those pivotal moments that are the miracles in the making that actually can have mm -hmm. an amazing snowball effect and impact lives. Like you and I both know, and you've known this about me since day one, I choose to do what I do because it's about serving others and supporting others in a way that brings hope and inspiration. It's not about us. And I know that about you, Tony. You're so gifted at what you do. You've, you've impacted my business in my life and just by being that human being you are that brings your gifts to the world. So, I mean, I could go on and on about you, but I know it's your show, but I'm just saying. <laughs> it's my show, but today you are the guest. <laughs> so back, so technically speaking then, your very first audience was high school students. Yep. How, how, did, how did that feel the first time you uh, went into the classroom talking about it? Um, I know you went out and you got yourself a suit and you got ready. How, were, were you nervous at all? Or did it just come naturally? I think it's a little bit of both, right? Um, so in high school, I was involved in like DECA, which is a club that helps you learn how to speak and you go and compete, right? So I think there were some things in my mm -hmm. lifetime prior to that that maybe gave me a little bit of that confidence to speak. But do you know what I was most nervous about? Was I'm sharing from my heart. I'm pulling back the layers of the onion and scared to death to tell anybody like what had happened to me prior to me ever having children, right? That was a part of my past mm -hmm. that I had put behind a closed door and as you know, just in the last probably four years, did I start talking about that again at a much bigger level, right? Globally. And I was so afraid yeah. that why would anybody, why would I want to tell the story? My buyers, why would they want, you know, damaged goods? And yet what people need is to get hope. They need to know people like us out there. Life hasn't been a silver platter. And heck, my life has been far from a silver platter. So I think I was more nervous to talk to the kids the high schoolers, because I was sharing a story that was being very vulnerable and very transparent mm -hmm. about my past. And so I think that was a big eye opener for me to realize that sometimes it's the stuff we don't want to talk about, that we live with shame, that where other people, when they hear that, I, I like I say, when I reveal, I heal. So when we reveal sometimes some of that crap that's buried, we heal ourselves, but we help others heal. So I was really nervous for that reason. Yeah, it, it's almost, and uh, for the lack of a better term too, uh, the way that, uh, I know the way that my mom likes to phrase it a whole lot, is the more you internalize everything, it's almost like poison. It spreads until you take it out of your system. And that's how I always seen a lot of this stuff. It's like, if you have something that's on your chest, 
it's a lot easier just to try to, of course, get it out, but in the best way possible, be it like therapy or some form or another that's not uh, super destructive because that's also not good. Okay, can I just say I would love to meet your mom someday because that is probably some of the best wisdom and advice you could ever give a human being, let alone her own son, because it's true. Psychologically and emotionally, everything manifests physically eventually. Um, and sometimes mm -hmm. it takes, I mean, it wasn't until the last couple of years I started having, doing some serious trauma therapy because trauma started to come out of nowhere from my way in my past. So I think you're exactly right, right? It's poison and it's toxic. Just like being around, I refuse to be around negative, toxic people, Tony. I've had to let go, and I've chosen to let go of people, even friendships, because I will not allow anything negative or toxic to get near me because we um, absorb it, right? How we spend our time and who we yeah. spend it with is critical to our soul's nourishment. I 100% believe that. Yeah, and I'm definitely along the same page too. That's why... I feel like that's why a lot of the times, and this goes back to uh, that story that you told earlier too, these high schools or even elementary schools sometimes are always looking for people of inspiration. So that way these kids and young adults know they're not the only ones going through this. There was somebody else who's gone through this. So that way they will in a way be okay too, even though it's different for everybody. It's just a matter of there's someone I can look up to who's gotten out of this position. That means I can too. Totally. Yep. 100%. Yep. Maybe that's the premise of this whole show, Tony. You're going to go into our past. Oh, I forgot the name of the show. This is exactly why you're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's, it's, also, it's a very nice segue just going, let's start from yes, the beginning. Exactly. So with, with that snowball, um, with the snowball of public speaking kind of kicking off, I know you kind of that just went on for a while, uh, a while, right? It wasn't until just recently, like you said, when the pandemic happened, that things really started shifting around. Yeah, for you. I mean, it's been a a really blessed, probably close to twenty years of just evolving and continuing to get, you know, keep going and and doing things all over the world, right? And then COVID hit, and one of the things that I would share with everybody as well that's listening is that um, again, this goes back to being ready for opportunities that come to you. It's not always forcing the door open. It's letting the doors open and then walking through them. And I think that, I believe that things happen for a reason. And um, one of the things that was happening, Tony, right before COVID hit, I was on the road so much. I'm almost exhausted, like thinking about it, but it was affecting my health. You know, I was having some health issues and we couldn't figure out what was wrong. And frankly, it was just pure exhaustion. And think about what I do for a living, right? I'm giving everything I have. I'm fully invested, fully engaged, but I wasn't giving myself the time or the permission to decompress, fill up, and take care of Holly. It was just keep on trucking, keep on moving, right? And so then COVID hits. And honestly, I think I might have secretly been one of the only few happy people. I think you and I talked at one point because I was like, I feel guilty saying that I'm actually happy because... I don't have to be on a plane and I don't have to be on the road. And, and so that was a blessing right there. And then because of that, some of the dream projects that we've had on the docket, which I'm going to give a shout out to you. There's a whole story about me getting off my last flight from DC on March 5th. Little did I know it'd be my last flight and having this whole idea in my head getting off the plane and texting you going, can we talk? I've got an idea. And you text me and you're like, well, I've got an idea I want to share with you. So I was already going to text you. And then it ended up the whole manifestation of finally putting, doing an app and bringing daily dose of inspiration to the world, which we launched in November. And with COVID, it also took the shift to going and doing everything virtual, which I've always done virtual for people around the world, but never everything virtual, mm -hmm. Tony. I love yeah, I feel like there was always a little um, a little balance between what you did and then when the pandemic hit, it was 100% virtual. And I remember this because you were always talking about your equipment. Yes, totally right. <laughs> it was all virtual. So then that was good for a while. And then it's like, okay, I'm really getting, I can't, like I can see you right now, 
But you know, my big thing is I love to see people's eyes, their hearts, their minds, right? I love to be in a room, whether it's a boardroom. I've been in many boardrooms for the executives of many global companies and firms, and I've been in ballrooms of up to five to 8,000 people. So it doesn't, re doesn't matter the size. It's I love to be with people and see what's happening in their hearts and minds. So all of a sudden now, COVID, and it's all virtual, and I'm looking through a screen and having to do like chat boxes, and I'm like, okay, now I'm really dying because now it was like, and then a lot of clients, I mean, as you know, there's been a lot of changes in the climate for a lot of companies. People had to do big layoffs, a lot of budget cuts. So here's Holly doing what she does all over the world. And what's the first thing companies cut, which is actually counterintuitive. If you think about this, Tony, the first thing people cut when it comes to doing layoffs and budget cuts are training and development. Okay. And yet... When you're laying off thousands of people, what happens to everyone? They go into panic mode. And one of the things that I've been brought in to do many times over the years is help leaders embrace change. Because when change happens, individuals and teams, people panic. And change makes people feel like victims. And I always say, you have a choice. Are you a victor or a victim? And leaders need even more help on how to communicate during times of transition and chaos and all of this. So, I'm t but it was the first thing that companies cut. So here we had probably, I got, I'll tell you a story you probably don't even know. Right when the COVID hit, one of my biggest clients, um, we had 18 months worth of gigs booked out. And I have clients that book us, wow. right? Like I've had clients, we have no speakers bureau. I have no agent yet. Doesn't mean I won't someday. Um, yeah. You mean like 18 months booked in yes. advance? Already to their next calendar fiscal year. 18 months booked out. And I'm not kidding you if I say, I don't remember the contract, but probably somewhere between 15 to 18 set dates, everything booked. Now, COVID hits. And one of my biggest clients, and everybody you know is in shutdown. They have to cancel all their live mm -hmm. events. And so I knew this was coming and I got a call from one of my key executives and got on a call with him and a few other people. And you know what, Tony, I'll never forget this because we had the conversation and they're like, you, you know, that with everything going on, you know, we're going to have to cancel all these live events. And I'm like, I already figured this was coming and I would love to help you figure out how can we create a solution? So all the people that you wanted to create impact for, they're the ones that are going to be left hanging too. So how can we create some virtual modalities to help you? And they were like, oh, we would love that. What do you think? So I just got in my brainstorming mode and took about probably half of those gigs that were booked. And we were able to take them and turn them from live events into two and three part virtual events for those particular groups, right? Some were directors, some were managing directors, some were partners, whoever it was. But here's the part that was mind-boggling. It changed everything. We had to create a whole new contract. I create, helped them create a solve to keep the people being inspired, keep the people feeling lifted, right? And not letting everybody off the hook. But they said to us, I'll never forget this man's voice. He said, Holly, are you not going to throw a lawsuit on us because we're having to cancel this and we know you're going to lose a lot of revenue? And I remember Tony saying, how on earth could I do that? We're all in this together. This is a global pandemic, right? Like we're all in this together. All I'm thinking is how can we continue to help and serve those people that you wanted to help serve? And I know it's going to change things. And I had two of the highest leaders in that company say to me, you will forever be one of our chosen vendors. Do you know how many of our vendors are threatening lawsuits and suing us because we're breaking contracts? Wow, that's, that to me is insane. Right? You think the same way I do. You'd be like, why would I do that to you? Right? Why would we do that when we know we're all in this together? So it ended up being a really beautiful gift in the midst of a mess. A miracle because they mm -hmm. ended up trying to find me different ways to keep they'd refer me to other people in the business to do a little virtual event or do this so things worked out and then this last fall or this last yeah this last 
fall, like late summer, a whole bunch of layoffs started happening again around the globe. As you know, even the tech industry is getting hit right now. Yeah. Yeah. So I've had probably a lot of contracts that have just gone completely. We had to call them off. And I believe that it's how we handle ourselves. You know, my Hollyism, Tony, you know this from the app, but in, yep. when you face adversity, when faced with adversity, do you get bitter or do you get better? And do we let trials and tribulations refine us or define us? And so I practice what I preach because it's not been an easy year. Probably the worst year financially for me in business, but it's also been a great time out for me to pause and kind of reset and figure out, I don't know, how do I want to spend the next 10 years of my life? Where do I want to serve and what do I want to do? So just because everything looks great and shiny and successful doesn't mean we're always faced with another, as you called it, pivotal moment that has a snowball effect. <laughs> yeah. And to touch on, on that a little bit too, while you were in the midst of traveling a whole lot, because I mean, I feel like every time back then when I was messaging you, you were always on a plane flying somewhere. And I know that would have been stressful, but how, how stressful was that for you? And in terms of even just keeping a relationship with your family? Oh. That's a beautiful question because when I started the heavy travel as a speaker, this was back when I have, you know, I have three beautiful boys, you know, and I, they were all like in junior high. And so fortunately I have a husband that was able to work from home too, because he has his own business. So, but I used to have like, I'll tell you a story that I've shared in the boardroom, but I don't know that I've ever shared this on a interview. And that is I started getting really resentful because I was missing out on so much family time, Tony. And yet I was a breadwinner of the family, you know? I mean, I'm bringing in the, the bacon, so we needed my money, but I was getting like that. It was kind of a twisted double-edged sword. I was getting angry and bitter yeah. and resentful that I have to keep flying out and missing our Sundays. We would always have tickets to the Chiefs game as a family, right? Or just family day with Sundays. So Tony, and this is the thing as entrepreneurs, I think we all get caught in, or even as leaders of companies or whoever, whatever you do, we, we, we're so afraid of saying no to business because we're afraid that we're going to cut ourselves off at the knees. So I remember another one of my big clients, I was always having to fly out on Sundays because they were always doing their big events. They would always have them like kick off on Mondays, or maybe I'd be doing a, a leadership session with a group of leaders. And it was, for some reason, I was always traveling on Sundays. I was getting so mad. I was getting mad because I wasn't having boundaries and I wasn't, I was afraid to say no. Cause you know what I was afraid of? It's your, my own business. What if I said no and they never wanted me again, right? And then I'm looking at revenue. Here's what I want everybody to know. When we know how to say no, and we can start saying yes, where we can be leveraged at our best, it's a ripple effect. And I had no idea what was gonna happen. So I, with sweaty hands, so scared, set a rule in place for myself that until my kids were out of high school, I was not gonna be missing on Sundays. So I would travel on Mondays, but by God, I'm gonna be home on a Sunday unless it's international and unless I've made that decision and I talk about it with the family, right? That was it. So I had to say no to some stuff. I had to turn down some big stuff. And the first time I did it with one of my big clients, I remember shaking, thinking they're never gonna want me again because I'm just not gonna go on a Sunday. And Tony, this is the reaction that I got. I had built up a complete anthill, a volcano, that was this big thinking that my whole entire business is going to collapse. Right. And their reaction was, Oh, okay. If you can't come on Sunday and we can't do a kickoff on Monday, could you travel in on Monday and we could do a kickoff either later in the day, Monday or Tuesday. Does that work? It was. Yep. A lot of the times that that scenario that you build up in your head, it's, gets so massive and weighs down so much. And then just one small little line is just like, oh. <laughs> Do you see my face? I literally yep. hung up the phone. This is before we had Zooms and WebEx and all that. And I literally started to cry from pure 
joy and overwhelm of exhaustion. I was so afraid of all I had built up was what I was going to lose. Never in my wildest dreams did I imagine they'd change an entire event to work around that. So lesson learned. It's always a lot easier than we think. And as entrepreneurs, have values, hold values, and hold boundaries to your values. Because it's amazing how that ripple effect can happen. And I never lost any business. It was amazing. Yeah, I think my first time saying no to uh, any sort of contract, that was the first time was always the hardest time and then just kept getting easier. Uh, but I don't know if I don't know if you feel the same way about this. But ever since that first hard no, the yeses that come after that starts being a lot more confident. Wow, that was another we need to tweet that, Tony. Tony, that was huge right there that the the more the no's Wait, how did you just say that? Every time you say no, there's a lot more yeses that follow with confidence. It's like purging and releasing all of the ickiness in our life. And it's not just paper clutter. It's mental clutter. It's spiritual clutter, mm -hmm. right? It's emotional clutter. But when we get rid of it all and we start purging, we are opening up to a vacuum of goodness that can happen. So just like you said, those no's opened up to a bunch of yeses. Whew, so true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So how, how is it? Um, I, I know with the, the wave of COVID and everything with all of these contracts being canceled, how, how are you positioning yourself now? And how do you feel about everything going forward? Because I know recently the website for you has been also redone to show a little bit, uh, I don't want to say a little bit, to show a lot more of who the current Holly is. And it took, I want to say it took, those 20 years that you were doing public speaking to even get to a point where you kind of start feeling a little bit more like who you are now. And you, my friend, whether you realize it or not, were a really big instrumental part of that because you were always behind me, nudging me going, so when is that the, I keep hearing you talk about what you're really passionate about. And yet we don't see that. And we'd have clients say, I don't see that side. We'd hear, they'd hear me speak. And then they'd go show my website to other people and go, well, it's all looks great, but where's that Holly that just made us want to jump off of a cliff, right? And that just, and yet what was funny, Tony, is that I kind of have finally realized I'm doing what I'm telling other people not to do, but I keep feeling like I need to be this this person that shows up, like all buttoned up and perfect, right? But I always say you don't have to be perfect to mm -hmm. be priceless. And my biggest passion, and you just said, and you you have been so instrumental in helping me, saying, let the real Holly come out. So to everybody out there that's going to see this podcast, this is the real Holly. I'm going curly. And thanks to my amazing, amazing gifted friend, Allie Craig, who is brilliant at branding people. She has helped me say, it's time to let go of the old too. So between you and Allie, Tony, and a lot of other people, I'm coming out. I'm very spiritual. You know that. And people even in the corporate world would hear me speak and stand in line and go, I don't even go to church. And you didn't even mention God, but I feel like I just got inspired to want to go do something like better than I ever imagined. And I'm like, I'm very spiritual and I believe that there is a divine plan for all of us. But so I'm really coming out with this now that it's, we talk about the IQ, the EQ, and now it's the SQ. So IQ is in um, intellectual, IQ, emotional intelligence, and your spiritual intelligence that they now know we have. And so I've just wrapped it up and I'm, I'm going fast and furious about your DNA. What's your divine neuroacuity? I'm bringing it all together and helping leaders and empower themselves to say, it's time to stop leading from the head and lead from the heart. And individuals, time's time to stop looking to other people to give us permission to figure out who we are and how we can bring our best. So I think you might be the first or second interview I've been on since I'm not worrying about, I'm going curly, I'm going crazy. There you go, Tony. You asked. There it is. <laughs> the, the the natural Holly right, right there. And it, it's funny, too, because I remember for the longest, every time we talked about showing um, more Holly on the site, it I feel like every chance I got, I snuck into uh, the chain of messages you have. Holly, we need new photos. We need new photos. 
You did. And for for a while, I I remembered even after that initial photo shoot that you did with Ali, you felt very. I don't know if this is the right words that you actually said. Uh, it felt it was a little bit hard for you to kind of get out of your shell and start sinking into that. Um, I don't want to call it vulnerability, but it felt like you were trying to break free, and it was starting to show a lot more in each of the photos that that were being taken. You 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 actually just said it so perfectly. It was I was being incredibly vulnerable, and trusting trusted people that I believe see the best and want the best. Right, so that was a big leap of faith. It was stepping out of fear in faith. And the big surprise is, you know, she hired an amazing photographer and they planned. I was all a surprise for me. I had no idea where we were going when we got to LA. And the first, I'm telling my favorite shots are still the ones from the very first place they took me. My eyes were closed and they said, close your eyes. And it was in front of a wall, a love wall. And I've always said, that's my dream is to be a minister of love, right? Last year I got to make that dream come true. Cause I honestly have always thought I wanted to do that, but my halo rusted and fell off a long time ago. So I just, <laughs> <laughs> but it was the love. I just went wild and I'm like, this is it. So I'm learning how I, I what do I want to say yes to moving forward? And what am I going to say no to? Because there's, I've already just turned down some work. That's just not aligned with the, with Holly being the real Holly the real me in 2023 to make a difference in people's lives. Right. So, um, and I know that you believe in this wholeheartedly cause you're right. You kept going. So when are we going to get new pictures? When are we going to do this so that we can actually make this announcement? So for everybody out there, go to the website cause Tony, I'm sure we'll put it in the blog and everything, but you'll get to see the new me in 2023. And Tony was a big part of making this happen. So. Yep, and I believe the URL is hollydowling.com. I would definitely put that in the description for everybody too. So going forward now then with 2023, is your plan to do more uh, public speaking? Or are you going to cut that back, really get a chance to get an overview and start planning ahead uh, instead of continuing along with what you're currently doing? I think it's a little bit of both of what you just said, Tony, because... I feel like I'm still going to be out there doing what I'm passionate about, but I'm going to do it with a lot of boundaries and I'm going to do it with, okay. I'm not going to ever end up being an exhausted banshee on the road, right? Traveling all the time. I'm going to be really picky so that I can take care of my soul and my body and my mind and my everything in the process. But I'm also going to be doing my first book and I'm going to be the first published, uh, first published book of a of the Notoriety Network's publishing house for the year. So I got to get my butt in order, Tony, because I've been doing a lot of audio. I don't write, but I'm transcribing. So I'm taking a lot of what I've always done with Extraordinary You, and we're going to do the first book. So that's the project on the docket. And now that I made myself accountable by telling you, now I've told a lot of people I have to get it done. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. That can be another follow-up. Right. We should do that. Right. And then the way you can call me out and go, well, did you do it? <laughs> <laughs> well, think about it. When you had well, a dream would... to do this podcast, Tony, like how long has this been a manifestation of you planning this? Like realistically, when did you first tell me you were going to do this? How long ago? Oh man. I it had to have been at the start of when all of the crazy COVID stuff happened. Okay. So maybe almost two and a half, three years ago that you started thinking about doing it? Yep, it was just a thought that was percolating in my head. And then it was it's like an itch. It, it's there, but you're trying to ignore it. And then once you start scratching it, it was just like, oh, wait a minute. Then everything uh, kind of like I told you snowballed. <laughs> and it did. And yet it just keeps coming together. Like last summer we talked and you're like, we're moving to a different place. I'm going to have an amazing studio, right? Like everything had to be lined up. And it's, it's kind of like what we're talking about. If people could really understand that when we stop forcing, picture the visual of forcing yourself to swim up a river, it's exhausting. It's absolutely exhausting. But when we change the energy, lay back on a raft and go with the flow. That's when magic happens in our life. Cause that's when we are in, I believe our ultimate DNA, your divine neuroacuity. I think that when we are forcing so much to happen, we're going against the divine of who we're supposed to be. 
So that's kind of where I'm at right now, like you just asked. I'm also passionate about being a spokesperson for, um, I just believe that when I'm passionate about something, Tony, I'm so passionate, I wanna scream from the rooftops. So um, I'm open, I don't know what that's gonna look like, I have no idea what that means right now. But you asked what's next, I'm putting it out there. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's the most exciting part about doing this sort of thing half of the time. Once you, you've been doing it for so long, everything is kind of like a strict routine. Once that routine breaks, it's like, oh my gosh, what's yeah. next? And all of a sudden you have everything yeah. open. Yeah, just back to what you said about the no's. When you start saying no, there's so many yeses that come. And now, and you know that you've experienced it because you're like lighting up when you said that. Like, I totally agree, 100%. But it doesn't mean it hasn't been with skinning our knees, falling down. Like, having your own mm -hmm. business is not for everybody. Um, I think there's a lot of people that it's better off to be in an eight to five job with security. But if you're an entrepreneur in spirit and you know you have that in you, you're gonna, it's gonna be a roller coaster, right? But some of us love that roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, so, some, some of those moments really make up for all of the least favorite moments that we've had. But since you also mentioned uh, how running a business isn't for everybody, when, I, I, there has to be um, a point, I'm pretty sure. So when you were starting out to speak and stuff and started forming the business, was there a moment when you felt like this just wasn't the right thing? Huh. I can tell you that there was a few moments. Let me tell you a story. There was a few moments when I thought, I'm never going to do this because there's no way I can do this again. And that's because I had gotten myself a niche doing these two-day intensive sessions with hand-picked leaders. It was a, it's a big company around the world. And this goes back years ago, Tony, when things really started to catapult, right? And I was doing a lot of, instead of just being big speaking on stages, I was doing a lot more intimate sessions and like facilitating two-day events for leaders, right? And I remember Tony being in this group of very egotistical human beings can't remember what I was on the East Coast. I remember I was on the East Coast. And I remember they were so challenging and so difficult that I went to my hotel room that night. I kid you not. I remember the suit I was wearing now. I can remember the jacket I was wearing. I laid down with my face on the pillow. All I did was kick off my shoes. I was like this on the pillow and I cried my eyes out and thought to myself, what the heck? have I gotten myself into? I don't even want to go back to these people tomorrow. And I remember thinking, I remember rolling over and just praying and saying, if I'm supposed to be here tomorrow, then give me a sign because if I can just get through tomorrow, I'm never doing this again. It was the people, right? It was like, they were just, I wouldn't wish this on my person, whoever I dislike. I don't even have anybody, but I'm just saying it was that bad. It pushed me to all levels. I went back in the next day, Tony. This is a crazy story because it, it only takes one or two people, and you know this in life, it takes one or two people, and I call them kind of the, whether the black widow or the rattlesnake. You have to be careful because they can even yeah. be in your personal life. They sting or they bite, and they leave venom, and then they tootle along, but they just live, leave people to die, right? It's like I call them the toxic emotional vampires. But I went back the next day, I prayed so hard that morning and just said, all right, whatever's supposed to be will be. I'm going to just, just be that person I was supposed to be there. And I remember this individual that was really causing a lot of the chaos. And first thing out of gate, the gate in the morning. I'd never done this in my whole life. Got a little cantankerous in the morning. So I gave everybody a quick bio break and I asked him to come with me and I took him to the hallway. This is a top level engineer. And I said, I just don't see why you want to be here because it just doesn't seem like it's working out for you and it's really causing a lot of negative energy in the room for many other people. And he just looked at me and he goes, really? And I go, are you not aware of what you're doing to everybody else in this room? And it's really taken away from the experience that everyone else is here to gain and enjoy because I had already had people corner me at the end of the day, the day before saying, 
oh my God, like I, he's horrible, right? It was one person, but one person can make an impact and make a party. And Tony, he looked at me and I said, so I, I give you permission. You're welcome to leave. If you'd like to go get your things, I prefer you leave if this is not where you want to be. And he looked at me and he said, well, I'd like to stay. And he didn't say thank you, but he kind of was like more taken back. The rest of the day, he was calm. I don't really know. I must have had that Persian look in my eyes, whatever I said to him. But I basically told him he could take his crap and leave because I didn't want it anymore. and I wasn't going to put up with it. And then he was really well behaved, but I was exhausted. I'm not going to lie to you. I remember getting on that plane and thinking, I never want to go back. I never want to be back in that city. I never want to do this again. But this is when I believe that we're given opportunities where I had to learn to be a really tough Holly in that moment. And I've been told I'm the velvet hammer. I think I was a little more than a velvet hammer in that moment. But um, people thanked me at the end of the day. They said, I don't know what you did to him, but it changed everything. So that was a moment when I thought I never want to do this again. But for some reason, that afternoon, that next, I got on that plane and I thought, all right, there was a reason I was supposed to do this. And maybe I'm just supposed to own it when I'm in a room and people need to have a good experience. So the next year, Tony, I'm coming back for the next group. This is a series of uh, workshops that a bunch of handpicked leaders in this company are nominated and selected to be a part of, right? So they go through this whole series and they graduate. And I was one of those people doing some of those events that they go through. So the next year I get a call from the client and they've got another whole group of people going through and they book me a whole bunch for the year. And I saw that city on the list and I went, oh no, I don't want to go back to that city. And it was going to be a whole different group of people anyways, right? And um, yeah. I'm like, you know what? It's okay. It's going to be a different group of people. I'll go. Okay. This is going to give you goosies because I've never told this story because you ask great questions, Tony, and I never even thought about this moment. I'm like, I get an email about a couple of weeks before I'm going and some of the people that had been in that session, a lot of people stay in touch after I get done, whether I'm doing an intense session all day, two days or a keynote, whatever. And these, this group of people reached out and said, we just heard that you're going to be back in on our campus in a couple of weeks for next, this next year's nominated group. Would you like to meet us for happy hour? We'd love to see you again because we all talked about you at the graduation and we'd love to see you. And I was like, I'd love to see you guys, right? Like, I, that was so fun. And so they, they said, well, here's where you're going to go, right? Meet us here for happy hour when you're done with day one. And I'm like, okay, that sounds great, Tony. I end day one, new group, all was great, all good. This is a year later. I get in my car, I go to where I'm meeting them. I walk in and I said, I'm meeting a group of people. I thought it was going to be like four or five of us. In the back room, they had everybody but two people, I think. So it was about 25 people. They had thrown a surprise party for me as a thank you. Look at me. And they said, do you know who planned this? And he stood up and he said, you're the first person that ever called me out on my behavior. And you did it with love. And I want to thank you because it woke me up and I've been different ever since. He's the one that planned the entire get together as a surprise, as a thank you. That, uh, that is amazing. And it also goes to kind of show to, you can tell somebody the same message multiple ways and all the outcomes is going to be different depending on how you approach it. Totally. Yeah. So yes, you asked me, has there been moments when I thought I never wanted to do this? Heck yes. But had I stopped or let that, had I walked away and not followed my heart and handled it the way I did, I never imagined that a human being's life could change in a good way, thinking there was mm -hmm. nothing good that would come out of it, right? So, yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, what, what you just said is almost exactly like the visual finish line. Some people give up when they're almost there. They don't see it, but they're just one step over the line. And I feel like this is one of those cases. Had you walked out on that room and decided to not return, I feel like that pivotal moment wouldn't have inspired you to kind of start doing a lot more of what you're doing. And you know, I haven't thought about that story 
in so long because you just asked me a question that just made it, I'm sitting here going, wow, like I need to remember these moments as well. As I'm starting, I'm starting with a clean canvas right now um, and just going, what am I going to do next, right? How, what do I want this year to look like? So you just brought a great moment back to me. So thank you. That's amazing. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Well, you're a darn good interviewer, Tony. I think you might have found another calling. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. As It's funny how nervous I got during the start of all of this, even though we've spoken with each other for quite a long time. But it's starting to naturally flow, uh, which is weird over the span of just one episode. But the the ending segment of it, one thing I did not tell you actually was... One of the things I wanted to do, and you're going to be the very first person to do this since it's episode one, is at the end, I want to give every interviewee that I interview a quick chance to say pretty much anything they want into the podcast, um, be it a message to everyone else, something inspirational, an advertisement for a product they're launching. So what would your final words for uh, this podcast be? Ooh, I love the ending. And I love that I didn't know that because people would overthink it, right? And go, see, so, mm -hmm. first of all, the first thought I had, Tony, was doing exactly what is I'm telling people not to do. Well, what should I say? Heck no, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to just say, go to the website, hollydowling.com. Know that what you're about to see is the manifestation of my heart and soul starting to let go of feeling I have to fit into this world. I want everybody out there to know that I've spent most of my life shutting down my spiritual side and my spiritual gifts because I've been told like to, that's not the right way to be or don't think that way, go this way. So I am just done with all that, Tony. And I would love for everybody, reach out if you're still wondering. It doesn't matter. We're never too old to dream again. You're never too old to find and discover the golden who you are. And you have all the permission in the world. You don't need another soul to help you figure out what your soul's highest calling in calling is and your DNA. And I'm talking spiritual DNA. So please reach out to me. And thank you, Tony, for that. Because you helped me create a daily dose of inspiration. We have the app, the Hollyism app. We got all kinds of things going. But just know you're amazing. You're enough just as you are and stop trying to fit in. I love to say this life has been a gift given to us. What we do with it and how we use it to help others is our gift back. So thank you. That's it. Thank you so much, Holly. Love it, Tony. You're awesome.